Hello everyone, and welcome to Geek's Camp, the home of RPG goodness and general tomfoolery. My name is Zach, and the host joining me this evening is the Dragonlance DM, Troy Sandlin. Troy Sandlin, yes. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, let's see, yodly, holy doo 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 or whatever it is that Troy does, whatever zany antic he's up to. No, no, we've got John Christian here with us this evening, uh, but I had to keep you on your toes, and you sounded very comfortable um, up until this point, so. Oh, it's really simple to, to do Troy. I just think dur first, and then a bunch of, like, yodeling immediately after. And then I stroke my yeah. beard and, yeah. you know, make other people jealous of it. Perfect. <laughs> that, that sounds about right. Uh, and then we've got our special guest uh, for the evening, Michael Scott. Michael, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm, uh, I am, yeah, I have no beard to stroke. As I said earlier, I just shaved it for, uh, 4th of July. So hmm. I'm going to just, you know, mime it. If you, <laughs> yeah, were a, if you were a dwarf, you would have been kicked out of the clan for that action, sir. Yeah, I know. I would have been excommunicated, made to walk <laughs> the ice or whatever. <laughs> oh, I like that. There's a game in that somewhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, so Michael, let's just dive into this. Um, so. We're bringing you on because, because uh, for a couple of reasons, but the biggest one because you have your own Kickstarter project, your own RPG launching uh, here shortly on Kickstarter. It's called Cyber Blood, all one word, Cyber Blood, um, and we'll drop links into all the show notes and everything so people can check it out. Um, but before we get into that, um, and I probably should have told you that <laughs> I'd ask this question too, but I think I think you'll probably have an answer ready to go. Okay. Um, what got you into RPGs in general? Um, that is a, that is a, yeah, that's a question I kind of expected a little bit, so I'm not totally sure. caught off guard by that one. I feel like that's a, that's a, that's a pretty classic question because everybody wants to know, right? Everybody, I feel like no one has the same answer, you know? Um, I think like the I, I want to answer this one carefully because um, I got into to RPGs because of a, uh, a content creator is the term I guess you would use nowadays for them. But he wasn't like a YouTuber and it was before Twitch was really like a popular thing. Um, he had his own site uh, and he had a series. Um, he did a lot of videos, but one of his kind of series that he did because he used to work in like a game store. He used to work in like a like tabletop kind of gaming store. Um, uh, he'd had a series. I think the initial idea was of the series was to kind of talk about his clientele and like the customers that would come in and how wacky they were kind of thing. And this was like late nineties, I think is when this took place. Um, but the, but the series kind of gradually changed to just being him talking about RPGs that he really likes and really doesn't like. And, um, you know, I didn't grow up with any of that. I didn't grow up during the kind of birth of Dungeons and Dragons or anything like that. So I kind of missed out on the first wave. And then I also missed out on like the second wave with like the vampire and, and all that stuff that kind of popped off in the 90s. So um, it was through these videos that I kind of got this window into this like really fascinating world that I was just like, this is so cool. Like, you know, how come I've never heard of this, basically? Um, and um, and he was kind of, you know, the inspiration of, of like, looking into this stuff. And, and you know, uh, I picked up a couple D&D &D books literally just to read them. I had no one to play them with. I just wanted to read through them and, and look at the different characters and the artwork. And I, I was honestly, I was pretty surprised that Dungeons and Dragons and other RPGs were still a thing because this was in like the like early 2010s, like 2009, 2010. I didn't know that I thought I, I heard I knew that about Dungeons and Dragons, but I thought it was like something that had kind of come and gone. I didn't know it was like still a thing. Um, and uh, and so I got into it about, like I said, about like 10 years ago, and I've been kind of interested ever since. Fascinating. So you got into it through. YouTube, which I think is not super abnormal, especially right now. Um, but oh, yeah. but you didn't get into it through live plays on YouTube or something like that, mm -hmm. where you know the critical roles or the whatever. You got into it through just a like a talk show streamer. Um, yeah, you know, 
reminiscing of his past experiences and kind of and kind of building from that about different that's very cool like that that's a that is a unique way of getting into the hobby and kind of uh it getting its hooks into you that's that's i I, i've never had somebody that that accessed it through that that direction yeah well it seems like it seems like now the the especially critical role but now there's you're tripping over live play podcasts and streams and stuff. And that's not a bad thing. I think it's fantastic because, you know, it's, you know, people having a good time and other people who can't be at the table also having a good time. So I think it's, I think it's just a positive thing all around, but at the time I was doing it, I don't, I don't know precisely when critical role started, but I had never heard of it until a couple years ago. So, um, and that's when like, it seemed like that, style of stream or podcast got really popular because then like Dan Harmon started doing one, um, mm-hmm. Harman you know, Quest. Harmon quest. Yeah. yeah. And I, I just, there's a whole bunch of them. I feel like there's like, you know, if you just looked up live play, you would probably get thousands of results, you know? Um, and, uh, and it, it feels like it's, it, you know, just role playing games in general. I've had this like, I, I don't know if it's just because I'm more tuned into the space or if it's because it has had a resurgence, but it feels like there's been a resurgence. It's definitely, I, I, I would agree. It definitely had a resurgence and um, yeah, it, 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 it's odd. I think, I think probably you caught a parallel wave in some ways, mm-hmm. right. By, by popping in through your access point, you rode that, you rode that wave and probably experienced, D at the same time that another wave was cresting but that's that's very cool um and uh so you accessed it through just picking up some books and looking at it what got you inspired to create your own rpg um well i'm gonna unfortunately give you a, a kind of a bit of a repeat answer here because it was the, it was the same uh the same guy uh with his uh, with his video series, um, you know, because I didn't have anybody to play with, didn't really know much about RPGs, but uh, he did a very specific video where he talked about um, he talked about uh, I believe it was Shadowrun. It might have been Cyberpunk, but I believe it was Shadowrun, and um, you know, because the fantasy stuff you know, the medieval fantasy, I feel like that's like a, such a huge genre. Cyberpunk, uh, just is a little less popular in terms of just, it's not everywhere, you know? And, um, and so I had never really been directly exposed to that, although I heard the term before and I thought it sounded really cool. And then as I started kind of getting more into it, I put the pieces together that, it is this big genre. It's just kind of, it had been kind of dormant for a while. So like, you know, it had been largely kind of concentrated in like the eighties and nineties. And then when the two thousands rolled around, like you got like a couple sequels to ghost in the shell and the sequels to the matrix in the very beginning of the two thousands. And that was pretty much it. Cyberpunk didn't really have anything else the whole time in the two thousands until like, uh, until like we got like the Blade Runner sequel in like whatever 2015 or 16, whenever that was. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I started to do. I was like, Oh, I want to make, I want to make my own role-playing game, but I want, I don't want to do like, you know, swords and sorcery. I wanted to do something that was like, you know, all about the like, you know, gadgets and guns and robots and stuff. Cause that's what, that's what I've always been the most into. Um, and, um, and then, Cool. And this was this was about 2013 when I started working on this. Um, and so it was just like a hobby that I would just have a Word document on my computer that I would just add to and edit um, and kind of do kind of tests with the die to see if I got ridiculous numbers or if things kind of worked out. Um, but I didn't really get a chance to actually, you know, think about it as a product, uh, let alone something I was just going to show people um, <laughs> until like years later. Um, you know. So what was the driving force to, to actually make a product then? Um, 
It was like the the word document had reached like three or four hundred pages long, and you rolled you <laughs> rolled your dice five hundred times or something like that. Or what was it that you felt like um, like what you've got is formed enough for you to, to kind of refine and then produce something that that you're gonna you want to be able to present to other people to to play too. Uh, I mean, you know, it's the it's the is the elephant in the room, I guess it's, you know, it was, it was lockdown, you know, mm. it was COVID. Uh, I, uh, I, in COVID, I was finishing up college. I lost my job because I couldn't go to it. Uh, and I couldn't see any of my friends and I love video games, but you play like two weeks straight of video games and you never want to play a video game again. <laughs> so I was like, I got to do something else. Um, and I just went onto a forum and said, Hey, I kind of wrote this homebrew, uh, cyberpunk game who's interested. And the point at which I knew, and I was calling it a play test, but the point at which I knew that it could be a product as opposed to just a thing I post on somewhere was pretty much every single person I play tested it with like was coming back for more, you know? And I don't think it was just because I was a cool guy and they wanted to be my friend. I think it's because they were enjoying the game. Uh, so, um, and, and specifically, you know, God bless him. I can't remember his username, but there was a, there was a person in a discord uh, community that I was a part of who I was asking for advice on a particular part of the game before I had decided to officially start working on it as a product. And I, and I said, oh, it's this homebrew, what should, you know, how should I do this? I don't remember the question, but he said, well, post it, let me look at it. And I posted it, and I guess he was under the impression that it was just going to be something I had thrown together in five minutes. And then when I posted something that was like, you know, a little more thorough, he was really like taken aback and he was really sweet and supportive. And he was like, are you like going to sell this? Are you going to give this to people? Like, because this is really cool. Um, and that one dude and... I just wish I remember who he was because he was just some guy in a Discord server. But that one dude was like the kind of straw that broke the camel's back. It was kind of like the, okay, now people, strangers are interested. So that really felt good. And that was like a positive kind of push to to work on it officially as a product I was going to, you know, promote and put like, you know, get like professional people involved, you know. Hmm. There's several things that, that I want to pick out from that um but before we get too far away from it um i think we'd be remiss and i'm gonna have i'm gonna have people yelling at me later if i don't ask like so you 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 talked we talked for a few minutes about you being inspired by this youtube channel that you stumbled upon do you recall offhand the the name of that youtuber who um introduced you to rpgs yeah i do but the kind of dark twist to that story is that his website no longer exists. Uh, at a certain point, he he seemed like he was an okay guy, but I think he had a lot of maybe maybe psychological issues and and uh, maybe some medical issues as well. And I think at a certain point, keeping up the website had become a bit of a challenge for him. I don't know if it was a financial challenge or maybe a a social anxiety thing where he was uncomfortable posting stuff. But at a certain point he stopped updating like two years went by. He never posted anything. And then one day I just checked on the website and there was kind of like a generic placeholder image. And then I checked again and then the website was just nothing. Uh, mm. So uh, the, the, uh, the website was called the Spoonie Experiment. Um, mm. and, uh, he produced, a, like I said, he produced a number of videos. I think some of his stuff has been archived on YouTube, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't produce content anymore. Um, and, uh, yeah, don't really know what he's doing these days, but if I, if I ever get a chance to meet him, I will, I will shake his hand because he, he was a huge inspiration for me, uh, for, for this game. Interesting. Okay, cool. Uh, I like a good mystery. Yeah, right. we'll, see, we'll see what happens. <clears throat> Spoonie experiment. We'll we'll hunt it down. Chat, get on it. Um, let's find him. <laughs> um, that's cool. Okay, so so that, so we got that out of the way, which is great. Um, we we have a we have an investigation. Um, <laughs> so 
the question I have though related to the 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 tale of this becoming a project for you, this becoming a thing that you might consider releasing and then built into a release. What do you think? You mentioned uh, you mentioned Cyberpunk. You mentioned Shadowrun. What do you think makes your system or your setting unique? And what do you think? If you had to guess, and I know it's sometimes hard for creators to know exactly what element of their thing people were drawn to the most, but like, what do you think drew people to it and had them coming back asking for more? Um, so for the first the first part of that question, I think. Um, I think probably like the unique kind of, you know, the most unique aspect of this, of cyber blood, um, is that, um, it's an RPG with no experience points. Um, and I'm sure there might be other systems out there who have similar kind of ideas in that regard, but the intention behind cyber blood is, um, something that can, it's gameplay kind of fusing with the setting, um, in a way that I think a lot of RPGs really struggle to do. Um, but the kind of aspect of Cyberblood that is this really hyper-capitalist, like corporations are running people's lives and governments aren't really that important anymore. Like who are, you might not even know the name of the president, but you do know, uh, you know your favorite corporation and you do know the corporation that owns your house and that owns you know, the paves the street that you drive on and all that stuff, um, you know, or funds the police, whatever. Uh, so that aspect of it was that, you know, I wanted to have a system where money was your experience points. So when you complete a mission in Cyberblood, uh, you get paid and you can spend that money on new gear. You can spend it on new weapons. You can spend it on augments to your character or modifications to the weapons that you already have. Um, or you could use it like in more creative ways. You could use it to bribe people. You could use it to kind of influence characters within the game. Um, you know, just like in the real world, if you have enough money, you can basically do anything, um, which is both scary, but also kind of cool, you know, uh, in a, in a game like cyber blood. So, um, and it kind of, it kind of shows players without telling them, it shows them this is kind of where how the corporations got to where they are and how the world ended up the way it was, is that there wasn't a lot of oversight in what people were spending their money on. It was more just, well, do you have enough to purchase whatever it is? Then sure, go ahead and take it. Um, and, and to answer the second question, um, and I, I think you were saying, why were people coming back? Is, uh, did, I, did I remember that correctly? Or Yeah, what, what do you think was that hook for for people why why were they coming back what 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 got them locked in there yeah 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 so i think this is the second kind of uh big thing that i like to push with cyberblood when i'm promoting it is the the kind of brutality of the game um in a gameplay sense um obviously game masters are going to describe things their own way and they're going to balance things how they want to balance things um but uh, the brutality of Cyberblood is that, uh, you know, this isn't like a game where you can cast Revive. You know, you can't have, there's no dedicated, like, cleric who can cure poison or cure your wounds or, you know, instantly stop your bleeding. You can make medical rolls, but any character can do that. And there is a doctor class, but the doctor class is more of, like, medical knowledge as opposed to magical healing, you know? Um, so I think the reason people were kind of hooked, at least, you know, uh, the people I've played with and the other people I've seen run games, the reason people reacted really positively to it um, was because it was um, really hard but fair. Uh, when you accomplish something, it felt really real. Whereas I think in sometimes... Uh, unless you have a really experienced dungeon master in a game like D&D, sometimes um, victories can feel a little unearned, you know, because either either the villain is uh, too weak and you just kind of stomp him and you, you, the, the quest is over, or 
you know, maybe the villain puts up a pretty good fight, but you have so many spells and cantrips and and get out of jail free cards that it doesn't feel like it, you were really in that much danger. Whereas if you talk to the playtesters, you'll know that like, you know, your average character in Cyberblood maybe has 30 to 35 health. Um, and your average weapon in Cyberblood will do like 12 to 15 damage when it hits you. So getting shot in Cyberblood is really bad, and uh, you really want to emphasize strategy and uh, and body armor and anything you can do to mitigate uh, those those attacks and those damage. And uh, you know it, it only gets more dangerous from there. I'm gonna actually open this light really quick because I'm slowly descending in a shadow. I can see it on the. <laughs> you can see it. <laughs> You're good. You're good. If that. That helps a little bit. That was there like, we go. That, that was like watching the moon rise in the background. Just like <laughs> this, this slow ascent into out of shadow and into light again. There we go. I look a little less spooky now. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. So, John, before we before I dive into anything else, there, do you have any questions or any any follow up to any of that? Yeah. So, I think mine is like you've got this collection of notes and kind of like a essentially like a a game bible that you'd been developing over years right you've got had you done a pretty good job of keeping it well organized so that it was easy to transition into an actual something that you could publish or was it because i'm I'm more i'm really interested in kind of like the 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 move from like this is really cool and i like this for me to how do i form this in a way that's going to be intelligible entertaining intuitive and stuff like that for somebody else so what was that transition like was it pretty relatively easy for you like with the formatting and kind of like trimming down trimming all the fat out and selecting the stuff that you love versus the stuff that you could probably do without or what yeah that's that's a that's a great question um i'll say that it's it was a little bit of both Mm. um a little bit of there were some aspects of it where like a perfect example is to do the play testing we were using the basically the game Bible version, because this was before I I had a graphic designer and before I had even character art. Um, And so um, these pages were formatted uh, with like a template that I had come up with. So they were very easy to parse. I mean, they were very plain, but they were easy to parse. They had all the relevant information, like relatively easy to look at and if you look at the game bible versus like the corresponding character page you can see the connecting dots you know you can see the transition um some of the other pages in the book didn't transition as well uh a lot of the stuff like the the whole document that had all the items and weapons and gadgets and all of the like character you know stuff um was a tremendous mess you know it was it was categorized in like chapters basically so i could find stuff but it's the kind of thing that you could never give to like another game master and have them run with it whereas the character pages you know most people could look at it and go oh if i play this character i get these things um but so the the kind of items and more dungeon master side of things was a lot less organized than the stuff that was aimed at the players specifically um which was uh which which you know it it ended up being like the artistry of the of designing the document i really leaned heavily on my graphic designer and my artists and uh you know the the secondary book is still kind of coalescing, but the general design of it is really clean, and they did like a fantastic job, like translating what I think is kind of messy work and notes and stuff into something that isn't messy, you know, that looks readable and helpful and convenient. That's great. All right, so you've got it kind of formulated. You're trimming the fat. You're editing it. It's becoming a more of a publishable uh, product. I guess for me, this is a kind of a deeper question to ask that I'm, I think I'm asking more and more creators because I'm asking myself the same question. And that is, I mean, is really why, like what, it's not necessarily just the why it's the, what's the motivation for, for producing something like this. And what I, what I'm trying to getting at is like for the audience out there that's listening or watching, like 
what is it about this that you're so passionate about that like I I had no other choice. It wasn't a matter of like, well, I've got a bunch of stuff and I figured I had to do something with it. There's got there I'm I'm sure as a creator, you had to be motivated enough and believe enough in your in what you were making and what you were creating. You're like I had that one guy is all I needed to let me know that there's somebody else other than me that thinks this is a great idea. So what's mm-hmm. the what is what would you say is the motivator? The the main motivator for 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 creating in the first place. Well, are you talking about like the book as a product or the or the game kind of before I I was uh, I, I would actually sure. yeah I would say like I I get that you you had a lot of ideas and but yeah like o- overall like what like why do you create is it something that's like okay I see it's just yeah it's just like it's it's what I do it's, some, it's something that's intrinsic to me or is like are you trying is there something you want to be able to say in the in the 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 work that you produce or I know it's like a deeper more more like um esoteric question to ask but like if you're if you will indulge me yeah no i i think that's a fantastic question um that's a question i was not expecting (laughs) (laughs) sorry Uh, sorry my bad no 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 worries uh i appreciate the challenge um it was i think i just you know my my dirty little secret as uh, as someone who has dabbled in like writing short stories and and I, you know, I initially, before I got, you know, my degree, I wanted to potentially go into like filmmaking and do Hollywood mm. stuff is that um, I've always really liked stories and I've, you know, I grew up playing games. And so I've always been fascinated by games, whether they're video games or not, games that like have kind of these, you know, in a video game, you'd call it like emergent gameplay. Um, but, you know, a story that is woven through like the kind of spontaneous spontaneous gameplay is like fascinating to me and it was never something that was at the forefront of my mind but i've always liked games that give you a very specific role to play Mm -hmm. not necessarily a role-playing game but like a game that says here is the world you're in here is the team you're a part of or the character you are uh now like do what you're supposed to do um, and I think like, I, I know that sounds a little, it's a confusing answer where it's like the difference between a game where you play a role versus a role playing game. Mm-hmm. But like uh, when I hear role playing game, I think like, oh, it's final fantasy and there's numbers flying around and you're doing yeah. a bunch of math, but like a game where you play a role is like a game where like you have made the decision to inhabit whatever character you are in, in kind of more of a, uh, like, you know, an actory kind of way. Um, and so I have a bunch of documents on my computer that I started all around the same time when I started Cyberblood before it was even called Cyberblood, because I, I, you know, there were times where I didn't want to write about cyberpunk stuff. So there was times where I wanted to write um, about other kinds of worlds and stuff that I had ideas about. And Cyberblood was the one that I just came back to the most. It was the one that I had the most to say, the one that I had the most ideas about guns or corporations or uh, types of drones and robots or, or, you know, I just kept coming back with more and more ideas there. Whereas some of the other stuff I came up with, I still think are cool ideas, but, you know, if you go through those old documents, they're a lot less developed just because, um, you know, I reached my kind of fill of them, um, you know, as a hobby, as just designing the kind of world as a hobby. I reached it a lot quicker, you know, stuff like um, I had one that was like a, it was like a, a 19, it was like a 1970s kind of like uh, monster, monster like uh, capture kind of squad kind of game. Um and uh, so it was like it was all set very like retro future and you the game the whole game was being sent to an island and there were all these like mutant creatures that had escaped and, and were, one there were team... sideburns and mustaches everywhere oh yeah oh yeah everyone had like a cape <laughs> and like the big Love. leather boots and so and i always imagined it having like a disco soundtrack you know yeah. i was like yeah this is like you know but once you're on the island, it's not super 70s, but it's like it's got this kind of air to it. Um, yeah. But, you know, once I came up with that kind of the visual and some of the ideas for the monsters and some of the ideas for like the different kind of uh, 
the monster capture guys. I was like, this is cool, but you know, I'm kind of done here. You know, it, it maybe was just that it was too niche or maybe it was that I just had a love for cyberpunk kind of genre that I didn't for that um, more kind of obscure thing that I was, that I was experimenting with. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it just, it, it was always the one that sucked me back in. Um, and, uh, and so by the time I did get that push to be like, oh no, this should be a thing that other people see. I was kind of ready for it. Mm. I think that's a great answer though. I think that for, for being as quote unquote un unprepared as you were to give it, I don't think you could have said any better. That's a great answer. I think that what's interesting to me is, is understanding with the mind and the heart of a creator and how it kind of, how, what, how it ticks. Like we've there, you have something that you want to say, right? Like you've said it yourself that you didn't, you're not going to say it. But it has to be very specific, something that you're going to be passionate about and something that you're going to want to, you're going to want to continue to engage in it. You can make it like with the, the, 70 70s monster monster capturers on an island thing it's like well i kind of like ran out of steam on it because i right. like well that's cool i'm pretty mm -hmm. much done with that it was this bite-sized bit of creativity that probably did have a it served a purpose in that i really do feel like to create you have to continue to create and it is a muscle that atrophies over time and if you mm -hmm. you get out of it for just a little bit it's really hard to pick up steam again um so i think that's great and i think that so the so cyber blood is where essentially where you landed where like I love the genre I love what I've already put together so far and I really want other people to participate in it uh, actively and I I also like the I'm with you like I I came out of role playing games of it was almost like uh, before MMOs where like each person had like a specific role the damage dealer the healer the tank or whatever right the controller right. this is your job this is your job and this is your job and it's based on the, on the class stuff so i kind of came out of that before it was even really a thing like i always felt mm -hmm. like wizards held this particular role in a party and fighters and warriors they did this particular thing and so for me i always liked those those elements of the game of like i know specifically where i'm categorized and what my purpose like my purpose is in this game and uh, i got a lot from that so i love it yeah yeah, and, thing, and oh, sorry. No, go go ahead. ahead. Yeah, you get you get <laughs> a mild mild delay on the recording here. Um, yeah, and I was I was just gonna say that uh, the continuing to create thing is like in the whole process of putting together uh, the physical you know release of Cyberblood mm -hmm. and and getting all our ducks in a row for the you know the Kickstarter. Um, you know, I keep I keep getting more ideas and keep getting inspired by more things, but I'm like it's at the point where it's like, well, it's too late. We're not revising the content of the book right now. So I've just got this new document. That's just like, here's the next part. Here's chapter two. Mm -hmm. Here are the expansions basically. Like if, you know, it, you know, if we're, if we do, you know, do numbers and we have a successful Kickstarter and people want more, you know, there is more ready to go. There are mission modules. There's, you know, a, multiple pages of new gadgets and weapons and equipment. And then there's like settings and, and uh, you know, character classes. I've got like six new character classes that, you know, I'm like tinkering with and working on like, you know, on a semi-regular basis. Uh, um, and so, yeah, that continuing to create is I'm not tired of Cyberblood. I'm still ready to, you know, keep working on it. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that's a perfect segue into what I was going to say, which is one of the things that I talk about especially with D&D, but with a lot of games, I think, uh, in the last few years, is you can tell a lot about the game by the types of products that are put out for it and the character sheets that are created for it. And we'll, focusing in on product for a moment, like with D&D, D&D is a, a dungeon-delving monster hunter game. That's what it is, right? And the reason that we know that it's that is because when you look at... You got the core book, and then what is made after that? What's the most popular book after that? Well, it's the monster manual. So it's a whole bunch of things to fight, right? And so you learn a lot about what the vision of this thing is. Why I think Cyberblood is fascinating and unique um, is that you have the core book, which is really cool, and like you said, has character classes and everything. But then the second book that you're working on that's part of your Kickstarter is a gear guide. And to me, that is that that is such a 
it says so much about what the experience of the table is meant to be. And I know you let off with that, right? That this isn't an experience based game. You don't level up, you get money and you spend it on gear and that's the progression mm-hmm. that's reinforced. And it's, it's smart. It's a smart thing that you've reinforced that by saying right out the gate here, here's what you want to focus on. We're giving you dozens of guns, you know, different ammunition types, explosives, blah, 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 blah. Like, different armor sets like that's going to be where the core meat and potatoes of this game is and then you just mentioned right to follow that up with mission modules and even the fact that you said mission modules instead of adventures or cases Mm -hmm. or whatever right like it's 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 subtle it's these but it's these little things that creators do at the very beginning that a sets them on a course Mm -hmm. and sets their product line on a course but b it also like super fast communicates to the potential buyer to that customer base here's why my is different right because i guarantee you right now if we go pull up shadow run we're not going to have that same language and the expansions mm-hmm. are going to feel different right and shadow Run's really cool and i like shadow run cyberpunk is really cool cyberpunk red or whatever right that's really cool but we're not going to get exactly the same flavor and we're going to recognize that because you've built a unique course for yourself right out the gate and i think that that's really interesting to me and then, and then Mike in chat brought up, you know, you go onto the website and you've done a good job, even just on the website, reinforcing it again, right? Because right up at the top, you talk about systems and you talk about classes. And when you dive into systems, the thing that you say right out the gate is, hey, no experience points and combat's a big deal. And you, and then in the classes, I mean, like everything about it is driving home those points. And to me, that communicates to me a game that is focused, that has a designer, a creator behind it, that knows what they want to do, and that has a has a unique look at something. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, all all the pieces are here for me, of course. But um, I'm I'm really enthused about what you're cooking up, and I think something that you we really briefly touched about, but I'll just kind of focus in for just a second is. You, you make no bones about combat being a big deal in this game. Mm-hmm. And I think that right now, you mentioned the difference between having a role-to-play and role-play games, right? I think right now the, the there's, a, there's somewhat of a wave that says combat isn't a big deal. Fighting isn't, isn't the end-all be-all. Let's, it's a narrative-based thing. It's a social-based thing. And that's really cool, and I don't. I, I I'm I'm all about people doing that. I also think that there's a reason that some of the biggest genres in video games, certainly, and the thing that that's kept D and D alive for so long is that there is this appeal for combat mm-hmm. and tactical planning and strategies and complex maneuvers and equipment and gear sets and you know crafting and up like all of these things are things that that have stood the test of gaming time and to me i like that you have chosen to say well but there's still a big market and a big reason to live over here um and i know that mysteries and things like that are also a big part of your game but i'm really excited about seeing a combat heavy action first i think is the words you use um Uh, take on on this genre yeah yeah for sure i i think that you know like you said dungeons and dragons if you just look at the content it tells you that it is a combat game it is a game about hunting monsters it's a game about slaying dragons and and zombies and all sorts of crazy creatures um and you can play it that way you can play it like a dungeon crawler but you're totally right the way that it's advertised is totally contrary to that game reality mm-hmm. um which i don't know if that's necessarily wizards of the coast reacting to their clientele or if that's the other way around i, I don't know like where that's like a chicken the egg sort of thing but um i think that the the effect of it is that you have mountains of kind of interesting combat material that a lot of people just disregard um and they you know, they just want to get back to the next part of the quest. And there's nothing wrong with that kind of gameplay. But I think that Cyberblood and, I, you know, a big part of what I wanted to put into Cyberblood was that the 
the action punctuates the story in a really meaningful way. It is not just like a detour. Oh, and now we're going to go back to the adventure. It is a, it is an important highlight of the session you're playing. Um, you know, a, a short tangent will be, um, I, with, uh, the group that I, I play tested with, I was running a game with them couple months ago. Um, this was after our playtesting process had ended because they were like, we want to keep playing, you know, give us another thing. Um, and uh, there, there was a mission that I had written that was, um, you know, they didn't know this going into it, but it was basically a horror themed mission. And so the horror aspect of it was the utter lack of combat it was the fact that they would go like these long stretches finding information and seeing like evidence of kind of these things that didn't add up and so the longer kind of this went on the more they knew that when that combat happens whatever is going to come out at us it's going to be bad and you know it was paced in that way on purpose and sure enough you know uh it, it ended up executing pretty much exactly as I hoped, which was that when they finally got to see the, you know, the, the boogeyman that was the villain of this, uh, you know, mission, um, it was as grisly and, and terrifying for the players, not just like in character, like, Ooh, we're scared because we're in this scary place, but also as players, they were, you know, scared and uncomfortable because they were like, whatever this thing is that has been built up, is going to be really bad news for our characters. So being able to hit both of those kind of, you know, we're, we're frightening the characters, but we're also frightening the players is something that I think, you know, D&D almost never does. You might be able to, if you have really good role players, you might be able to have a scene where all of the characters are scared of the, of the zombie or the lich or whatever. But usually the players are like, this is great. We get to beat up a, a wizard or we get to beat up, a, you know, a, a slad or whatever, you know, you know, it's pretty infrequent that, you know, and I'm sure it depends on your dungeon master as well, but it's, it, it is not designed in such a way where the combat itself is that punctuation that really emphasizes the, the narrative that you've been building up. I completely agree. Yeah. We've talked completely. about that before where the, the, mechanics of Dungeons and Dragons really lends itself towards heroic play and not necessarily gritty, grimy, in the weeds, blood and guts kind of play yeah. that you, that you kind of you really need the element of for for horror themes to work right. There's got to be yeah. an underlying threat of deadly violence in every single combat, not just mm -hmm. one. A single yeah. goblin should be terrifying in a horror horror setting whereas, you know, a, an entire tribe of goblins are just, you know, it's a Tuesday afternoon in D&D. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's nothing inherently wrong with that style of play, but it, is, it there, there is definitely, you know, the, the other side of the coin, which is what we're going for for Cyberblood. We want combat to be, um, you know, a big deal in the sense that we get to cause like a lot of carnage because, you know, it's not just like everything's unfair to the players. You know, the players are just as heavily armed and dangerous as the things they're going up against. But, um you know, it, it, it's the classic, well, there's just more of them than there are of you. Mm -hmm. So you got to pick your battles. You got to make sure you go in with the, the right amount of ammunition. You got to, you know, be wearing the, the latest body armor, you know, that's so it's, it is, it is fair. It is never like, you know, it doesn't feel cheap, um, but it is, uh, it is still, you got to play your cards, right? You got to play safe and stick with your team and, and, you know, make smart decisions. I love that. Well, we have we have kept you uh, a little bit longer than I than I told you we would, but I have really enjoyed uh, chatting. Uh, obviously, you and I have had uh, several, quite a few chats over the past several months, but it was fun to get into the weeds and and pry loose some of these ideas and concepts and where it all began and kind of see how it evolved uh, up to this point. John, are there any questions or, or closing thoughts that you had that you wanted to squeeze in here? I don't think I'm good. I asked what I needed to. I feel good about it. 
Well, I'm going to point people real quick then again to the Kickstarter. You can go uh, find it. It's it's it, There's a landing page up right now. Um, uh, we're chatting early in July here. There's a landing page up. You can find it by Googling Kickstarter Cyberblood or by following the links in the show notes, um, and that'll get you there. Um, you're going to be able to pick up the core book and the gear guide as part of the Kickstarter, along with some other goodies and things like that. Um, lots of things for you to check out on the Kickstarter page itself. Um, Michael, is there any other thing? Oh, you know what else we should say is if you go to the cyberblood.net website right now, you can pick up a free, uh, like a preview copy of the books and a mission module. If you're curious and you want to see like a, a, a not all spiffy and designed up, but a, but a quick, uh, what, what would you call it? Like a quick and dirty version of the of right. laid out and whatnot. Um, go do that yeah. right now. And it's all free. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, if you want to give the game a try or even just want to like, you know, download it and kind of see the system, it's uh, if you go to cyberblood.net, um, there is a, a demo version or a free version to download go. of uh, the core book, which has most of the classes in it the uh the gear guide which has a bunch of the cool equipment in it and then like you said there's a mission module which is totally free um it's got unique artwork and everything um and it's all like you said it's all very kind of like ash can kind of early model so the the stuff you're seeing there is is mechanically quite similar to what you're going to get in the final game but of course, the final game is going to be much more polished uh, presentation-wise. It's going to have, you know, artwork for every character class. It's going to have cover art that's beautiful, done by uh, you know fantastic artists. And then the the layout is um, done by our brilliant graphic designer Sam. So uh, you know, it is a it is a taste. And if you kind of like what you see and you're able to get some people to play with you, um, go ahead run uh, run the mission module. Run Raider Raider. It's it's a it's a heist at a museum. It's pretty fun. Last question that we've got from chat here. Um, I know right now the focus is on the Kickstarter and getting that ready. Um, once that's behind you or once that's launched, uh, chat's wanting to know: Are you looking at doing any convention attendances? Um, I am not personally looking at conventions, but it's it's not something I've ever ruled out. You know, um, I you know. Frankly, I'm so disconnected from the convention scene um, that I would I would have to do a lot of research on that. I wouldn't know where to start. Yeah. But um, but I'd love to go. Yeah. I mean, if if anyone has recommendations for West Coast uh, U.S. conventions, you know, I'll I'll make the trip. You know, uh, uh, you can uh, you can let me know, or you guys can let me know. I know you guys yeah. hit up conventions all the time. <laughs> well, listen. Uh, I know that there's a couple people in our chat um, that are West Coast aficionados like yourself. So I'm going to rely on them to some extent to point you in the right direction. But yeah, there's a million there's a million cons. And one way or another, uh, assuming everything goes well, we're going to we're going to rep some cyber blood and have some the books available at conventions down the road. But yeah, maybe we'll try to sneak Michael out with us or, or, or point him in the direction of a con or two, because I think that would be cool. Um, yeah, uh, history professor, you're asking specifically game hole or Gary, um, depending on when the books get in, like, I would love to figure out a way to have us bring some of our GMs and run some cyber blood at both of those conventions. I think that would be really cool and fun and give you, give you guys a good taste of it. Um, so everything's done already. It's just about raising the funds to get a production run in and, and get those last final touches on it. And, um, we're really, really close on this one. So Michael did a fantastic job with it. And it, like he said, all of his art is fantastic. Um, layout's great. It's looking, it's looking sweet. So, all right. I think that's going to do it for this evening. Again, thanks a lot, Michael. Thanks a lot, chat for hanging out with us. I see a ton of people hanging out in chat. I really appreciate it. Um, hopefully you enjoyed this. I'm sure you did. Uh, John, thanks for hanging out and, and adding to the conversation. That means a lot. Um, Appreciate everybody getting back into the swing of things after our big, long origins. Uh, we're going to do a mad dash through July, get a few more interviews in. But until then, thanks a lot, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Yeah. Everybody, uh, let's see, for Troy, I'll say, if you know, you know, and have a great, play great games. And then for me, be nice.
even to Troy whenever he's too tired to, to join us tonight. And uh, <laughs> be safe. Thanks, everybody.